Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, it is Monday, so Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, she'll join us later on on the programme. So if you have a question for Annalise, uh, please uh, get it in. And can I say well done to the many, many tens of thousands of people nationwide who turned out at the various locations right across the country, but especially here in Cork in the very early hours of Saturday morning to participate in the annual Darkness into Light in Aid of Theatre. was hoping to do it but unfortunately I was sick so I wasn't able to make the darkness into light but it was lovely watching it on social media and seeing so many people turned up and of course we'd spoken about darkness into light last week on the programme and there hasn't been a darkness into light where large numbers were able to gather since 2019 so it really was special to have a large in-person gathering of uh, darkness into light and when you think back to how Darkness Into Light first started and the wonderful Joan Freeman who first set up as Pieta as it was at the time Pieta House they managed to get 400 people together in the Phoenix Park in Dublin back in 2009 and it was just a one-off event and just whatever it was it seemed to spark the imagination of so many people they held that first 5k walk and that now has grown to so many darkness into light events as I say we had so many of them across uh, Cork City and County they were all over the country and indeed they were all over the world and I mean, it was lovely to see people like the Lord Mayor of Cork, uh, Councillor Colm Kelleher, he joined in at the event in his hometown of Ballancolic and it put a smile on my face to see little Adam King who of virtual hug fame, he led out the darkness into light walk in his hometown of Yall and just that community spirit was as strong as uh, ever and nationally the, 20, the 2000 2022 Darkness into Light event was very, very well uh, supported. And Charlie Bird, bless his heart, he led out, there was about 2,000 people turned out in Bray and he led the event there and he spoke, you know, having to use now his special speech device, his voice is almost gone at this stage. And like, you know, he spoke at the Pieta event saying, you know, that while he had his own struggles, he wants to continue to extend the hand of friendship and support to the work of Pieta. He's a, he's a great, great guy and he 
really is going through a tough, tough time at the moment. So well done. Just want to acknowledge everybody who turned out for the Darkness Into Light event at the weekend. And of course, you can avail of the wonderful services of Pieta because of the money now generated at the Darkness Into Light events. Many, many more hours of service will be available to people in need. www.pieta.ie and they also have a, a helpline 0818 and of course Pieta 24-7 support uh, provided by their free phone crisis helpline at 1-800-247-247. They are a terrific, terrific organisation and unfortunately with everything I think that's gone on with the pandemic they are busier than ever and I think we're going to need them more than ever going into the future. John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Later on on the programme we will be taking a look at the weekend that was from the Assembly elections in Northern Ireland and the UK Secretary of State for Northern Ireland is now to meet with the leaders of the North's main parties at Stormont and he is pressing for a return of the devolved government and I think if you speak to any of the people in Northern Ireland who turned out to vote for the weekend elections, that's what they want. They want their government back in uh, place and of course Stormont executive, they haven't been fully functioning since February of this year and that's when the First Minister uh, Paul Given resigned as part of the DUP's efforts to force action against the Northern Ireland uh, protocol. Uh, Fresh Assembly elections then had a historic result at the weekend with Sinn Féin now for the first time overtaking the DUP and Sinn Féin now has become the first nationalist or Republican party to emerge top at Stormont and of course we know what that means that the Sinn Féin Stormont leader Michelle O'Neill is now in line to become the first nationalist or Republican First Minister of Northern Ireland so that in itself will be written into the history books the DUP they're the second largest party they must nominate a Deputy First Minister who then would serve alongside Michelle O'Neill in the Joint Office but of course the DUP leader Geoffrey Donaldson has signalled that the UK government must act over concerns about the post-Brexit training arrangements before his party will nominate ministers to the new executive so there is more while the votes have been uh, counted I think there is going to be weeks of very intensive work needed to resolve all of the grievances that some of the parties seem to have in uh, Northern Ireland and certainly while it was a good day at the office for Sinn Féin even though they returned the same number of seats in uh, 27 it was a fantastic day at the office for the Alliance Party they more than doubled their their seats they've now gone to uh, 17 and the Greens had what you could only call a shocking day at the office they have had two seats in the Northern Ireland Assembly there is now no Green representation no Green Party uh, representation in uh, Northern Ireland after the weekend elections and voters in the North also returned a record number of women to the Assembly of the 90 MLAs elected in Stormont 32 are women. That's an increase from 33% to 36% over the 2020 elections but if you look back to the first Assembly, which was formed after the Good Friday Agreement back in 1998. At that stage, they just had 13% 
female representation. So that 13% has jumped to just over 36%. So that certainly is good as well. We will, as I say, talk more about the Northern Ireland elections later on on the programme. We'll be going to uh, one of our sister stations uh, in the north just to see where we go from here. Now, Michael has already been on to say in the north of Ireland, isn't it sad while they are talking about a lot of irrelevance, they are failing to talk about energy prices. They're failing to talk about long term plans for the economy, etc. Yeah. And, you know, Michael, a lot of people in Northern Ireland are struggling with basic cost of living a little bit like people uh, are. They need an executive and they need an executive in place. Uh, Returning to Michael's text. He says the UK government is threatening to tear up the Brexit deal. Warning that could put the stability of the north of Ireland in peril. The British government is prepared to rip up its own agreement, its own long fought for agreement. What did it ever mean to them, even when the situation in the north of Ireland is very, very delicate and at a very historical moment in time? They are in clear denial of what has happened. It is real. It's happened. And furthermore, what's more amazing about the Good Friday Agreement is the fact that they all do have to work together. The reality now is that Sinn Féin are the largest party thanking you and that is uh, from uh, Michael and you just uh, wonder will we forever be looking at this sort of uh, perpetual political instability in Northern Ireland you'd like to think that they could all as adults get around a table and do what needs to be done for the betterment of the people of Northern Ireland who God help them have suffered enough over the years. Some of your comments already coming in on the elections in Northern Ireland at the weekend Jur in Ahada said history was made in the six counties at the weekend only 50 years ago it's hard to believe that the nationalists couldn't even vote let alone get a house. How things have changed following a march for civil rights back in 1972. It's great to see a leader of the Nationalist Party now uh, going to be head of Stormont when and if a border poll is taken when the time is right everybody will be treated fairly says Ger in Ahada. Pat in from says that while everyone is praising Sinn Féin the real winners of the weekend are the Alliance Party they are the great hope now for the future of Northern Ireland as they campaigned on issues rather than the split between nationals, nationalists and unionism. Uh, they are a party right down the middle. They're not for us. They're not for unionists. They're for everybody. Kieran from Oise says, great to see people voting for issues in the north more than the colour of the flag that they're flying and what religion they are. And John in Dunmanway says, Eamon Ryan as leader of the Green Party here in the Republic must be looking over his shoulder as what has happened in Northern Ireland with the Greens. What has happened in the north will surely happen here in the South at the next general election with the Greens now having no representation in Northern Ireland. And just on the people that mentioned the border poll I saw it was Mary Lou MacDonald on Friday when she was, you know, asked for her initial response to the party's success in the Assembly election when it was already looking on Friday uh, like they were going to be have the largest number of seats in Stormont. She suggested that a border poll on a United Ireland would be possible. She reckoned within a five year time frame and she said, but she said preparation needed to start now and that was one of her reasons for mentioning it at the election results at the weekend but Simon Coveney was quick to point out that he didn't see the result 
as bringing a border poll any closer. And he made the, the point that the balance between the nationalist vote and the unionist vote hasn't changed hugely. And he's right on that. I mean, you know, Sinn Féin ret- re- uh, returned the same number of seats and the unionist vote was pretty much the same. It's just it got splintered and, and got uh, split. So he's saying based on that, he can't see this bringing a border poll any closer. So we will just have to uh, wait on, wait and see. But Ma- Mary Lou herself also, while acknowledging the success of uh, Sinn Féin, uh, she also acknowledged the success of the Alliance Party. 0818 103 103. John Paul, taking your calls, you can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862 103. 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now, last Friday, uh, Irish Rural Link, which is the national network representing the interest of rural communities, celebrated their 30th anniversary with a conference entitled Changing Rural Ireland to discuss how rural Ireland has changed since Irish Rural Link was first established in 1991. I'm joined by their CEO, Seamus Boland. Good morning to you, Seamus. Good morning, Patricia. You're very, you're very welcome to the programme. Now, you postponed the 30th anniversary conference because obviously of COVID restrictions last year. Did you feel it was important to have it as an in-person conference? Ah, we did. There was a a huge demand from former well, there's no really former members but from older members, from people who founded it, uh, to meet up again in person to exchange, you know, uh, hellos, having not seen people for many years indeed uh, and to have that kind of feeling of togetherness that really started with Irish Whirling. So it was a great occasion for that and it was a great occasion of meeting up and saying hello, etc. Good, good. Now, when it was when Irish Whirling was set up in 1991, one of the aims was to stop the closure of essential rural services. Now, unfortunately, that has continued over the last 30 years. But are we starting to see a bit of a positive change with more people opting to work remotely? That's a huge, um, that's a huge change and a huge development, and it's a very welcome development because, frankly, um, we've spent a long time trying to come to some solutions. Technology means people can work. Ironically, um, the COVID pandemic, one of the advantages has been to demonstrate how this can be done, and already we're seeing the results of that. And also the investment made by Minister Humphreys is assisting with making sure that the infrastructure is there. There's a bit to go, um, but really it is, it is uh, as it were, a statement regarding the future. And uh, I think it's a positive one, which our Shorelink are quite happy to encourage and support. Where are we at, though, with the rollout of high-speed broadband? For people who want to work remotely, it is essential that they have access to high-speed broadband. We have some rural areas that are still lagging behind. Yes, unfortunately. Look, the good thing is, I suppose, it's being rolled out and took us a long time campaigning in Irish Rural Link to get the principle of it coming to every single house to be accepted. Now, that is accepted. The technology, in terms of rolling it out, has been difficult. Some of the, 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 the I suppose, the consequences of having to replace uh, old 
poles, air, air poles, you know, the telephone line poles are slowed it down. There is a continual rollout. It's going to be slower, unfortunately, than uh, we had anticipated. And um, that's just a consequence of, of the technology. But it is going to happen. I think commitment is there. The government is committed to it. And we keep urging them to keep it speeded up because without it, you know, rural Ireland will be in very, it would be in a very bad place. Do you think community spirit is still alive and well in rural areas? Ah, it's great. I think last Friday you could see it. Uh, You could see the positivity. You could see the desire of younger people coming on stream saying, look, you know, this is where we want to be. This is where our communities is. It's where we want to bring up our children. And, you know, we want to look after our older parents and people as well. There is a great spirit. We have a Meals and Wheels network established in the last few months, which will assist in all of this. And the whole idea is to get more younger people to stay in their communities, work and live in their communities, and you, you have a much better spirit that way. Yeah, and certainly I think, you know, right throughout the pandemic, we, we saw that um, rural areas really, rural communities really stepped up to the mark. You know, I think back to the early days when, you know, older people might have been cocooning. And it was, you know, the neighbours, the local post offices just played a blinder, yeah. the post men, post uh, women. And there was a sense of this is everything that is good about rural areas came to the fore. And we had a great program called Community Champions Program linked to Community Call, where we orchestrated volunteers all over the country to actually help people who were cocooning, who were unable to get uh, food and stuff because they couldn't uh, leave their houses. And I suppose we learned a great deal. We learned the loneliness in some cases. We learned the need to reach out to these people. And we learned that, you know, People shouldn't be left alone. Uh, a lot learned in that sense. But on the other hand, uh, you know, this program would need to keep going for other reasons, mental well-being. And also, you know, it is still cheaper for people to try and stay in their own homes uh, and be cared for in that context, which is why the Meals and Wheels group now is, is moving. But yeah, a, a bit to go yet. So uh, the the conference is very much about reflecting on the last 30 years, but obviously very much looking forward. What are these challenges, do you believe, now facing rural Ireland over the next 30 years? Uh, the, the challenges will be to redesign the towns and villages so that they're now fit for a more technology-type purpose, that they allow people to have a different... Uh, as it were, purpose in terms of what they're working and doing. Uh, And I think that's the big challenge right now uh, because I think some of the old services were said at the the, the conference, you know, know, post offices are not used as much uh, and some shops are not used as much and even some pubs are not used as much. So we have to repurpose what they're for and we have to repurpose what we're supposed to be redesigning our villages. And I think that's a real challenge because um, I think in 30 years the purpose of the town and village will look very different. 
Yeah, and of course, we, we lose a lot of those services because, you know, the, the phrase use it or lose it. And if there isn't a lot of people around, not many people going into the post office, not many people going into the yeah. little village shop, uh, they close. Hence the reason we need, as you, you mentioned, young people to move back into rural areas because then that will increase the footfall in some of those yeah. places. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole idea is that we try, we try very hard uh, to, to, to keep people in the villages. We repurpose our industries and our jobs and we make sure um, we can uh, we can actually uh, keep them alive. That's the, that's the whole idea. Okay. That's the whole idea. So, so a very successful conference then last Friday, Shane. Yes. I'm looking forward to 30 years. I was just going to say, and you, you, be, and you certainly will be around in 30 years' time on the I same hope. board. That's the important thing. As indeed you will be too. Uh, listen, Seamus, thank you for that and thanks thank for joining you, us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Seamus Boland, who is CEO of Irish Rural Link. And uh, it is hard to believe that it is going 30 years. They really are a fantastic organisation and they represent the national, the interest of rural. It is 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your call. You can text, you can WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Rent-a-kill, which of course is Ireland's leading pest control provider, is warning the public to be on the lookout for moths in their homes and businesses at this time of year. Cork accounted for the second highest number of call-outs for moths last year, according to Rentakill. And joining me from the company, Richard Faulkner, who is Advanced Technical Field Consultant. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, why is this time of year the most common time for us to have problems with moths? So the, the type of moths we're looking at are um, called store product or scavenger moths. And a lot of times they're associated with birds' nests. And um, birds, as you probably noticed at the moment, are very active and will be nesting in our buildings and that sort of thing. So that's the reason why why they're most common at this time of year. Do we have many different types of moths in Ireland? Um, yeah, we've got thousands of species of moths, but um, the ones that we're looking at really, there's only four main species. There's two textile pests, which are the case bearing clothes moth and the common clothes moth, and then two scavengers, which are our um, brown house moth and a white-shouldered house moth. And where are we most likely to find moths in our homes? So with the, the, the case bearing and the common clothes moth, they're going to be in natural animal fibre, um, things like our carpets um, and our clothing. So they, the, the larvae eat um, the protein keratin, which is naturally found in these materials. And they can do a lot of damage. Yeah, they will do. They, they, they will put holes in stuff, ruin your clothes, eat your carpet. Yeah. And, of course, it's only when you go to p- pull something out that it maybe has been in storage in, in the top of a wardrobe that you notice the, the holes uh, in it. So what are your top tips to protect us from moths? So, again, as you've said, with storage, storing clothes, Always make sure that your clothes are clean before storing them. Make sure they've had a good, good wash or a dry cleaning. And make sure that they're stored in sealed um, bags or cases. Um, moths are generally nocturnal as well. And as it gets warmer and nicer, we've got our windows open. 
like it was 20 degrees yesterday, which was lovely. I had my windows open very late. But keep your blinds and stuff down because they are attracted to natural light and it will draw them into the building. On that, and then it's just cleaning and vacuuming regularly, especially in the likes if we've got carpeted sitting rooms and bedrooms and stuff like that. And then it'll be moving things like sofas, chairs, cabinets, and making sure they get a good hoovering and cleaning under as well. Because it's those sort of out-of-sight, undisturbed areas that will be really important to them. Now, a number of us may remember the smell of mothballs from grandma's wardrobe. Do they still exist and do they work? Um, Now, that's a really good question. (laughs) Um, Did they exist back then? Yeah, they did. And I think they probably didn't help a lot of our health either. And there's a lot of these chemicals have been sort of banned or phased out just because, yeah, they killed the moths, but they probably were carcinogenic and stuff like that. Um, so that's what I was saying I was actually talking to a friend the other day saying that my nan used to put everything in mothballs okay so, so, and the smell of them is quite disgusting yeah yeah, yeah. And it's the same as the vapona strips which came after them as well yeah yeah and I, I remember actually a friend of mine taking or telling the story of they had a wedding dress belonging to her grandmother that had been carefully stored it was put in it was in a box it was in tissue paper in a wardrobe and you know the, her mother had been very careful about it and they decided that they would use it to make a christening robe for I think it was a great grandchild had been born they thought it would be nice and when they opened the box it had literally it had been destroyed yeah. I mean it's incredible the amount of damage that this tiny little insect can do that's the thing isn't it they are very very tiny and at first it's going to get unnoticed especially with something like that but over time yeah they will just go straight through it Okay, and you're also, you've also issued a press release that kind of got me itching when I saw it on my desk this morning. And this is to do with being careful when we come back from holidays and bed bugs. Yeah, bed bugs, lovely. Ah. On that one, yeah, bed bugs are very, very common now. They've become sort of, we thought at one point they've pretty much become extinct. And then in 1998, they started to become more prevalent again. And yeah, it's a very, very common thing now. But you're, you're issuing warnings that you can bring them back from holidays. Yeah, it's possible. Again, anywhere where you've got high levels of people. Um, we're staying in hotels and places um, which could have their bugs. They're, they're sort of transient, they're passed on. Um, we're also then putting our baggage in a hold with loads of other baggage. So, yeah, it, it's totally possible. OK, and then people are asking, but if you find moths in your house, what should you do? Do you need to um, panic if you've, if you've discovered moths? That you're going to get moths in your house at some point. As I said, if you've got doors and windows open, which we're going to have in this weather, um, you're going to get the odd moth flying. It's just the ones that are doing the damage. So it's if you're finding damage to your carpets or damage to your clothes, then get onto a, an expert to come and sort it out. Website um, on that, and we've got a free phone number where you can get advice as well. So our website's just www.rentakill.ie. And our free phone numbers are 1890 Have you ever heard of something called a death's head moth? A death's head moth. Yeah. Believe it, believe it or not, I actually have one tattooed on, on my right elbow. Um, <laughs> on that one, but we won't go into that. Um, yeah, the death's head moth is, if you've seen Silence of the Lambs. Okay. 
Yeah, okay, thank ah, you. Ah, that's what I've just realised. I've just realised. I've just spotted if one of our one of our very smart Alaki listeners is who signs her name Clarice says I found a moth called the Dead <laughs> Heads funny. Moth in a very dark house and it's scaring out the life out of me. What should I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah watch Silence of the Lambs to the very yeah. end and you'll know. Oh, and you'll know. Yeah. You'll know what. And you've got that. You've got that as a tattoo. I have. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you a fan of Silence of the Lamb or no, was it to do with your business? No, this is actually to do with a band. It's a band called Buck Cherry. It's one of their album covers. Ah. It's called Black Butterfly, you see. All right, OK. All right. <laughs> Listen, Richard, your mind of information as always. Thank you for that and uh, thank you for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Take Good care. morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye. That is uh, Richard Faulkner of uh, Rent a Kill on Moths and Be Wary of the Bedbugs that you're bringing home from holidays. Thank you to Donald. Says, Sorry, I couldn't resist the silence of the lambs. Moth text and aka uh, Clarice. See when I saw the text come in I didn't I didn't spot first of all that you had signed it as Clarice if I had seen that I might then have realised because I love that that is one of my you know when you're asked for your favourite movies I love that movie uh, Silence of the Lambs and anyone who's ever seen it will know the moth reference so thank you for that Donald I just wouldn't have known that it's a death's head moth is what it's actually uh, called. Thank you for that. And um, Anne was on to say, are moths meant to be lucky? And they're not lucky if they are eating away the clothes in your wardrobe. As as I say, that friend of mine had this absolutely gorgeous, it was antique lace. It was a wedding dress of her grandmother. Her, I'm, I, I'm, I'm unsure. Uh, but it was her mother had lovingly stored this wedding dress. And when they took it out to see, they, they decided, you know that lovely thing of turning a wedding dress into a christening robe and I think it was a great great grandchild that had been born and they decided that nobody was ever going to wear this antique lace dress and wouldn't it be nice to turn it into a christening robe and I think they ended up with the smallest little bit of lace that they were actually able to sew into the end of the christening rope that's all that was left and they had stored it in a, in a, it was kind of in a cardboard box but it was wrapped up in tissue paper and they had kept it on the top of a wardrobe, making sure that it was dry, you know, the room was aired. They thought it was they thought it was the safest place to be. And because it was antique lace, they weren't you know, wasn't something they were taking out every year to take a look at. And it hadn't been looked at, unfortunately, for many, many years. It was literally just in shreds. I couldn't believe the amount of damage that could be done by moths. They're lucky or not, and I certainly would not like to have an infestation of them in my house because of the damage that they can do. Okay, just some other things. Things, other queries coming in that I want to deal with. Oh, before I deal with that, can I just say happy birthday to Mary Collity, a High Street Inn and Market. Happy birthday to you, Mary, your daughter Marguerite, son-in-law Sean and the grandchildren Abby, Lily, Casey and Paddy were on wanting to wish you a happy birthday and hope that you are having a terrific day. Here's a query to do with your NCT on your car. And we've had a similar text and query and calls in from other listeners. And we're going to give it out there to see if others have come across this and have been stopped by the guards. Hi, Patricia. My NCT expired on the 5th of January last. Now, I received a four-month extension, which, of course, everybody did during COVID times. Everybody was given extensions onto their NCT. So that would have brought me up to the 5th of May. I applied for my NCT and August was the nearest available date that I was offered. So I rang them and I was instead given a date for the 20th of May. But 
My NCT has technically expired on the 5th of May and here we are today on the 9th of May and I can't get the test done until the 20th of May so another few weeks to go. My question to you today is am I okay to drive my car in the meantime? Because I can't find the answer anywhere online thanking you in advance and I know I did a a trawl online a number of weeks ago when a similar query came in and I couldn't find it online either. But I was asking John Paul and he said it was one of the days that he was covering uh, on the programme here. He asked a member of Vangarda Siakona the very same question, what happens if you get stopped? And he just can't remember which member of Vangarda Siakona was somebody doing crime file, I'm assuming, said that what you need to do is have evidence with you in the car that you have applied for your NCT and the new date date of your NCT because I'm assuming you're after getting an email and you have the booking for the NCT on the 20th of May. So if you were stopped by the guards and they were checking tax and insurance and NCT discs and somebody saying, oh, that's out of date, you can clearly show them, well, I've applied and my NCT is due on the 20th of May. So what I'm asking now is, has anybody been stopped by the guards who found themselves in that situation and were you asked for proof that you have your NCT booked and was the proof, was that sufficient? Because that's the line that we got from I mean, from Gardashi Corner. In the meantime, what we might do is I might get John Paul to actually send an email off to NCT our Department of Transport or NCT I'm unsure where, where we would be sending that email just to get clarification because you're not the only one so many people are in the very same boat because everybody got that extension because they weren't doing as many NCTs because of COVID restrictions and lots and lots of people now are suddenly all finding that their NCT is due at the same time and obviously there's only so many slots available each day so you're certainly not on your own but if you're out driving my advice would be you're okay to drive but have proof with you that you have booked your NCT just in case you are stopped 0818 103 103 If anybody can add to that conversation, please text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in. We were discussing Rural Link and 30 years since Irish Rural Link was set up. Willie says that the lack of transport is one of the biggest drawbacks to people considering living in rural Ireland. It really doesn't encourage people to move to a very rural area. If you're living in Bantry and want to get to Skibbereen, it can be tough with public transport. And while the local link is fantastic, the timetable can be limited. And then we've had a couple of calls in, including one from John in Cove to say, were we aware that there is a Russian ship docked in Ringeskiddy? Uh, John in Cove says, are there not sanctions against ships from Russia docking in Irish or indeed EU ports? Now we got onto marine traffic and they have confirmed that this ship is in Ringeskiddy this morning. So we've contacted the Department of Transport for a, a statement because we do know sanctions have been put in place as we were 
reported only last month the Department of Transport issued a directive to all Irish ports and harbour masters to deny entry to Russian registered vehicles and that was from early in April and that means all ships, all yachts, recreational craft registered under the flag of Russia or any vessel that has changed the registration of the vessel from a flag of Russia to another state because we know that was happening uh, since uh, February. All of them are prohibited from docking at Irish uh, ports and that of course was to do with the EU decision to sanction Russian Russian vessels. So it's not just an Irish thing, it's an, it's an EU uh, sanction. So listen, we've got none to the Department of Transport and uh, we hopefully would have an answer before the close of the programme. And I can see lots and lots of commentary coming in on the Northern Ireland election. So let's go there next with Sinn Féin winning a historic victory in the Northern Ireland Assembly election. It is now possible for a period of time this year that both government leaders north and south of the border will have been Cork born with Michelle O'Neill having been born in Formoy. Joining me from our sister station in Belfast uh, from U105, I'm joined by Peter McVerry. Good morning to you, Peter. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing very well and it's great to have you on uh, the programme. Can you just explain Michelle O'Neill being born in Formoy? Yes, her, her dad, a gentleman called Brendan Doris, Doris being Michelle's maiden name, was working down there for a period of time. So Michelle was born in January 77 when her dad was working in Formoy on a temporary contract as a roofer. And she actually spent the first four years of her life down there before the family came back up to County Tyrone to Clonode near Duncanon in the early 80s and their dad then became a councillor and actually whenever he retired as a councillor in the middle of the 90s uh, and onwards it was her that took over the role on the local council and then rose up through the ranks in Sinn Féin to become first minister. And can we say no finer place for Michelle to have been born but it would be incredible wouldn't it to think that we could have two Cork born leaders north and south of the border who could ever have predicted that that would ever come to pass? Absolutely, and I know that, that you guys in Cork like to think that you unofficially run the country, but uh, it, would be, it would be great going forward, Patricia, if you could say you officially run the country, both well, sides of the border. Yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd make the history books for sure. Now, Michelle O'Neill said the result represented a very significant moment of uh, change. What do you attribute to Sinn Féin's success first? Yeah, well, I think it's a, it's a it's a big push. They've actually come out of the election once the the count finished at one o'clock in the morning on Saturday and the Sunday with a foil seat. The last seat went to the DUP, and the DUP have fallen by three seats. They're now in twenty five as opposed to twenty eight, and there's ninety seats available. Patricia in Stormont, Sinn Féin came out with twenty seven, which is the same number as they went in with. So their seats haven't changed. Their first preference vote has lifted, but the big thing is that. The, the, the biggest party now in Stormont as a result of this election and the biggest party, regardless of whether unionist or nationalist, has the ability to nominate the First Minister. So Michelle O'Neill is the First Minister-elect and she was tweeting there this morning and she arrived at Stormont. No guarantee. We didn't have a functioning government in Northern Ireland, Patricia, on the way into the election and we don't have a functioning government in Northern Ireland on the way out of the election and we're not exactly sure how long it'll take. If you're asking me to put a bet on, you know, it won't be days, it might be weeks and it could well be months because yeah. there's a there's a bit of carry on legislation that was pushed through Westminster earlier in the year just for a circumstance like this. And the DUP on the way in were were reluctant to say whether they would actually serve as a deputy first minister under Sinn Fein as a first minister. In the last twenty four hours and even earlier this morning, a guy called Gary Middleton, a DUP rep who won that last seat up in Derry, he seemed to indicate that as Democrats they would serve and has been a bit more explicit but the issue at the minute is that Sir Geoffrey Donaldson, their leader 
as I said, nothing to do with Sinn Féin being the winners of the election because of the issues that, 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 that the DUP have with the Northern Ireland Protocol. They're saying, listen, we won't be nominating anybody as the Deputy First Minister until Brandon Lewis, Boris Johnson and Westminster sort the protocol. And we've been trying to sort the protocol for, for it's feeling like years now. It's definitely a long number of months. Is there a feeling, Peter, that we will forever have, you know, perpetual political instability in Northern Ireland when, you know, you hear statements like that from Geoffrey Donaldson? Uh, yes, we don't. Um, and I heard Geoffrey using that very phrase at the weekend, Patricia. We don't, um, we don't seem to be great at doing strong, functioning, stable government here in Northern Ireland. You know, I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a full mandate of five years for any of the Stormont Assemblies that we've, that we've seen over the last 20 years actually carrying through. You know, we had Sinn Féin who brought it down over the RHI. We had the the the, um, the scandal that there was over over pallets and boilers. Um, you had the DUP who have come out of it this time. You know, it, it feels like in Northern Ireland, which is it feels like we're we're able to be on the edge of history and on the edge of an abyss at the same time. You know? Yeah, and it's the people on the ground are the, are the ones that suffer, the ones, you know, that are struggling with cost of living, for example. Well, absolutely. And, and and the DUP were very keen to make a play during the election of saying, if you vote for Sinn Féin, you're voting yourself one step closer to United Ireland. Sinn Féin were saying, listen, we're proud Republicans. We've espoused that for a long time. We're not going to stop espousing that. But that's not the be all and end all of what we're about. And it's not what we talk about next Monday when we go into Stormont. What we want to deal with, they've said, is cost of living is the fact that Northern Ireland has got the worst health waiting lists in the UK and possibly even in Europe. You know, the, the largest teaching union here in Northern Ireland is starting to strike this morning. All of those things need tackled, need dealt with, and they need dealt with by, by local politicians who are sitting engaging with each other in, in the Assembly. So what, what's likely to happen, Patricia, is that they're all up at Stormont today and they're doing an induction. 18 of the 90 are, um, are new MLAs that have never been there before. The schedule is that on Thursday there would be a sitting of the Assembly. Alex Maskey of Sinn Féin was the Speaker the last time. He didn't stand for re-election, but he's agreed to come back and chair the proceedings on Thursday to try and get the Assembly up and running. But we don't expect there to be nomination of First or Deputy First Minister as part of that unless we can get a breakthrough. We would have the ministers from the previous executive who would continue to hold those posts until we figure out what we're doing. And even that's complicated because the infrastructure minister, a lady called Nicola Mallon, SDLP in North Belfast, she didn't retain her seat. So the yeah. SDLP would have to nominate in the short term probably a replacement for her, even though the SDLP didn't get enough seats in this election to have a ministerial post going forward. So, you know, as I say, it's it's the more that's you look a, at it, the more tricky it gets. It's a messy affair. It really is a messy affair. And when you talk about winners and, and losers across the weekend, uh, Peter, the Alliance Party had a, a fantastic election again of uh, nine seats. They're now the third largest party in the Assembly. Was their success a big talking point over the weekend? Absolutely. Well, there were lots of polls on the way in. And one of the polls towards the end, maybe last Thursday or Friday, did start to show the alliance running, you know, neck and neck with the DUP and about eighteen percent of the of the poll. But what the alliance seemed to have done, and what the voters seemed to have done, is the way it worked is a single transferable vote. So you start at number one, you work your way down the ballot paper as far as you want to go, 
and the alliance and their, their, their party wonks, if you like, who were looking at the numbers beforehand, they've strategically targeted a number of areas where they previously had one MLA and they've now got two MLAs in each of those areas. So they had they had eight seats in the last assembly, Patricia. They've now got 17. They've gone from being the fifth largest party in Northern Ireland to the third largest party. And you know it's not a massive surprise because they did have a fantastic couple of elections before for, for Westminster and, and in Europe as well. The, the, the question in the longer term for the Alliance is a much of a political force can they be? Are there people on either end of the political spectrum who are lending the alliance their votes to transcend a message? The Sinn Féin and the DUP, you know, is it a demographic change where younger people coming up through Northern Ireland are saying, listen, I don't want to be orange or green. I just want to be living in a society where I know what's happening with health and education, where I can tell you what something's going to impact in my pocket and where we can we can look at having a modern 21st century society that has no no inkling or no desire or no link to what your passport is, what your nationality is and what your political perspective is, as I say, with orange and green. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose bad days at the office then, uh, SDLP and the Greens now have no representation on the Assembly. No, and they had two, but they were one of the people that were squeezed. I don't think intentionally, but by, by virtue of the success of the Alliance, you know, there's a bit of a, that middle ground as maybe you can vote for one of the other. And it was the Alliance who seemed to, who, who actually did come out with it. So there's, there's you know, things could, things could change, not in terms of the Greens ever having any representation in this election. There's a slight possibility that actually Michelle O'Neill might never be nominated in this mandate as First Minister. We might end up having another election after the 24 weeks that we have. But, we, you know, too far ahead for us to jump, yeah, Patricia. At yeah. the minute, what's happening is, as I say, they're all up at Stormont today. Brandon Lewis, the Secretary of State, is meeting each of the party leaders individually today to urge them to go into the executive. Four of the parties, so the SDLP, sorry, the, the Alliance, the Ulster Unionists, Sinn Féin would all go back in um, today to it if they could. It's the DUP that won't go back in. All five party leaders are meeting this afternoon as well to try and see how they can move it forward. The Queen's speech happens in the House of Commons tomorrow. The DUP are hoping that that Boris Johnson will put in there something explicit that says that they're going to override some of the regulations in the Northern Ireland Protocol. Again, if the British government do that, it'll cause them serious issues right across the UK with the European Union. And the other one complicator in there is Geoffrey Donaldson now has got two seats. He's already an MP for Lagan Valley around Lisburn and sits in Westminster. You can't, under the legislation, under the DUP rules, go for double jobbing. So he's got a week to decide is he going to be an MP or is he going to be an MLA What's most likely to happen is he'll put some sort of fudge in and co-opt somebody else and stay at Westminster until they decide what's going to happen with Stormont. But if we see Geoffrey Donaldson at any stage this week doing that, then it'll be a very strong indicator to say that the DUP don't have any immediate or indeed medium-term intention of going back into the functioning executive at Stormont. Complicated affair for for sure. And just uh, to finish off, we know that women rule the world. Uh, have they've the Northern Ireland voters returned a record number of women to the assembly? That's got to be good. Oh, fantastic! Absolutely, <laughs> and a number of the the parties were were making a play of that, and were trying to to put as many female candidates on the ballot as they could. There were a number of strong females. You mentioned Nicola Mallon. You mentioned the the Greens there. Their party leader Claire Bailey. You know they've gone from the assembly. They were they were regardless of gender, just as political operators. They were very strong and they had a lot of praise. So it's sad to see people like that go. The SDLP had a lady called Dolores Kelly, um, who was there, and, and she hasn't retained her seat in Upper Band. But on the reverse of that, Alliance in particular brought in some very strong females. And Paula Bradshaw of Alliance was already an MLA for South Belfast. 
Belfast. She's been joined on the ticket now by a lady called Kate Nicholl, who's been the Lord Mayor of Belfast for the last year and has had a lot of positive praise for, for how she's operated. And people like her, her party colleague Patricia Lynn, will also join her as well from Alliance. You know, and there are lots and lots of very strong females that are going to make a real impression in this Stormont executive should we be able to get to the point where um, they can actually take their seats. Okay, well, all of the votes have been counted, but I think you're right. I think it's going to take weeks and weeks of intense work uh, before we get to hopefully see a new Stormont uh, executive. Listen, Peter, pleasure talking to you. Thank you for that. You too, thanks Patricia, for taking time out. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Peter McVerry from our sister station in Belfast, U105. And Michael says, uh, Patricia, earlier somebody mentioned about a border poll. It's not going to happen in the next five years. There are years of preparation with talks and negotiations before that could ever happen. People will have to be well informed about what they're voting for and that is going to take a lot of hard selling. It's not as simple as A or B. There will be arguments for, arguments against. Anyone who thinks otherwise are not living in the real world. Working together for a long period of time would tremendously smoothen that pathway. How right you are. Uh, knee-jerk reaction is only going to aggravate what is already a very tender situation and that comes in by WhatsApp from uh, Michael thank you for that uh, Michael to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs with Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time part time and professional courses succeeding together with MTU.ie Ward personnel, they're holding, holding a recruitment open day today. No, sorry, it's next Monday, the 16th of May, from 4pm to 7pm. It'll be in the Silver Springs Hotel in Cork. It's for anybody looking to work in construction or in production. Sales retail assistant is one of a Cork Airport CVs to paul.gavin at WHS, WH.UK. Full time early years professional wanted for a childcare facility in Cora VTech level 6 in childcare is necessary email CVs to bbcora at gmail.com and bar staff are wanted for West Cork the Sheepshead Peninsula 027 611144 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Smiling at some of the texts and the WhatsApps in. One person saying, would you tell your man who you're talking to there that he's got a gorgeous accent. I love the Northern Ireland accent. I'll pass that on to McFerry of you at 105. He'll be delighted with that. Now, insurance companies have said they cannot reduce premium because claimants are rejecting personal injury assessment board settlements and instead they're taking cases to court. But the Alliance for Insurance Reform are sceptical and to explain why, their director, Peter Boland, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, have you any idea what percentage of claims actually reject a PIAP settlement? Yes, so prior to the new guidelines coming in in April of last year, um, 50% of claims were rejected uh, and therefore went on to litigation with all the additional costs involved in that process. Um, what has happened since the new guidelines came in is that that's gone up to 63%. It's had the opposite effect. 
so the number of rejections has increased. And how much more expensive then is it for an insurance company when a case does go to court? Well, I'll give you an example. So um, somebody runs a shop and uh, there's a slip or a trip or a fall in the shop and it uh, turns into a claim and uh, it goes... uh, Typically, it goes into PIAB first, the Personal Injuries Assessment Board. Um, the average minor injury or minor claim settled through PIAB is settled for €26,270. That's the average compensation. Okay? Yeah. Um, now, associated with that, PIAB don't pay legal fees. Uh, and so that has to be carried by uh, the parties involved. But the average legal fees involved in a PIAB-related claim are €1,698. Now, if it goes on to litigation, even if it never gets to court, say it goes on to litigation and then along the way it settles between the insurers and the plaintiff solicitor, um, the average award actually drops to €20,895. So there's a 20% drop. So essentially the plaintiff is getting substantially less by going into litigation. But here's the kicker. The legal fees go up from €1,600 to €16,000. There's a tenfold increase in the amount paid to lawyers. And really that's at the heart. We've often said that... uh, there's not really a claims culture in Ireland. Irish people aren't genetically more predisposed to making claims. But there, uh, there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. The amount of damages awarded is, is, is enormous in comparison to other countries. There's actually two pots of gold. and uh, There's a pot of gold for lawyers as well. And it's absolutely in the interest of lawyers to make sure that the cases go to litigation. And that's precisely what's happening at the moment. There's been an acceleration in the numbers going to litigation. So that's one side of the coin, right? But uh, as you know, if you're a magician, distraction is critical. You know, don't look here, look over there. And that's precisely what the insurers uh, tried last week. So the the best way of cutting through all of the, the, the nonsense on this is to look at the, the two parts of the market at the moment uh, that are affected by personal injury claims. One is motor insurance. Now, I'll stop you just on motor insurance. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are seeing a fall in their premium over, say, the premium precisely. that they paid last year. Yeah, so yeah, that is we've happening. Been, it is. And we've been carrying out research since May of last year to see what the impact of the new guidelines is. And it's trending since then at minus 9%. So typically, if, if one of your listeners is renewing in the next few weeks, they should expect a reduction of their existing insurer uh, of about 10%. And then if they shop around, they should be able to get uh, a bigger decreased than that. All of the things being equal, obviously if the car has changed or the circumstances have changed then then all bets are off. But typically all of the things being equal, a motorist of a private car should be expecting reductions. Now, here's the other side of it then. The insurance that small businesses and community centres and sports organisations pay, liability insurance, 
That insurance has been increasing on renewal by 16% since May of last year. And now remember, that's on the back of huge increases since 2017 because we wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the fact that insurance became an existential issue for all those types of organisations uh, over the last five years or so. And what we're seeing currently is even more increases. Now, Here's this, uh, here's this trick that I talked about in the comparison between the two. The circumstances that have been forcing down motor insurance premiums are precisely the same circumstances that are in play on the liability side. So you've got the reduction in judicial guidelines, uh, you've got the introduction of the Garda Insurance Fraud Coordination Office, you've got the new Perjury Act, and then you've got things coming in the pipeline like uh, rebalancing the duty of care, which is moving, albeit slowly, uh, reform of PIAB itself, the personal injuries assessment board. So all these good things are happening and it's impacting on motor insurance. But quite the opposite is happening on liability. And the reason? And there's there's only one thing that we can see, and we haven't been contradicted on it so far, and that's that there's healthy competition on the motor insurance side. There are plenty of insurers looking for your business on motor right now, uh, but there's very little competition. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Petition on liability. Yeah. There are certainly plenty of underwriters, but if you're, for example, a small shop looking for cover, typically the broker will tell you that there's only one underwriter prepared to cover you. And, and so, that has so, been a so if you want to keep your front door open, you have to pay that premium. You've no choice. 
Well, that's precisely it. You have no choice. Well, the the option is that you go uninsured, which nobody would recommend, um, particularly with with the situation as litigative as it is. So, they, it's the lack of competition would appear to be the the biggest issue. So and I, I'm th- assuming, because I know I've spoken with you many times in, in the past on it, like mm-hmm. small community groups and a community centre, they're all really struggling. Precisely. And what has happened over the last three years is, like, we haven't stopped engaging on this. Um, and you and me have been talking regularly about it. But for, for most small businesses and voluntary organisations, they were busy just with sheer survival over the last two years. And they've come out of that struggle only to find that insurance hasn't been sorted. So it's as big a threat now as it was five years ago. Um, and and unless we can get liability reductions done, we ran research uh, there in the middle of last month, in the middle of April, and over 40% of the respondents said that insurance was still an existential threat to their business. And that hadn't changed in the four years since we did the last survey. So it, it remains a serious threat. It has to be sorted. There's a kind of a... There, there, there would be political gain to be had out of the reduction in motor premiums. There's no doubt about it. And there would be a kind of a, a political narrative that would say, oh, well, sure, listen, we'll just abandon insurance now and move on to other issues because there are plenty of other issues out there. But the problem is that all of the damage has been done on liability. And if government don't act quickly on this, uh, then it will do serious damage and there are a number of things that they need to do Um, and the first and most obvious one is that they need to hold insurers to account there is always an excuse from insurers so it used to be the level of claims the claims are coming down Uh, then it was the size of the damages being handed out Uh, they're now coming down dramatically uh, then it was fraud and then the insurance fraud coordination office was put in place and that uh, appears already to have addressed that I- that issue. Uh, now they talk about duty of care, and then the one that you mentioned at the start, which was the the level of rejections of PIAB offers. But the the trend in terms of the number and size of claims is constantly dropping, and that reduces the risk associated with every premium. Uh, so premiums should be coming down. Yeah, government. Ne- Government need to hold yeah. insurers to okay. account. And just finally, George uh, wonders, how can we get more people to accept the PIAB settlement? Do we need pa- publicity campaigns around it? He thought your explanation at the start of this interview uh, should be broadcast on an hourly basis for everybody to hear. <laughs> um, how do we get that message out to people? Well, PIAB are doing some advertising at the moment. Obviously, they have a budget and they have to stick to the budget, but uh, they've certainly been uh, getting this message out there. Um, I think over time, these lessons, this this crisis evolved over about 20 years of poor decisions by by insurers, uh, by governments, and then obviously that agenda that, that... the lawyers have in terms of getting to court. And it's going to take a bit of time for it to evolve in the other direction. But there's probably, there's a pivotal case in the High Court coming up in June where uh, there's a constitutional challenge to the new guidelines. And if that case fails, if that constitutional challenge fails, then there's a real chance that lawyers will say, okay, 
well, this isn't the pot of gold that it used to be. We're just going to settle uh, and move on. So we would certainly hope that that would be the case. That needs insurers to take it seriously and stop settling on cases that don't deserve any payment because that has been their, their habit over the years. But like I said already, governments are the neutral arbiters in this. They need to become aggressive in hauling insurers in and holding them to account. And ultimately, we need to get more competition into the market. Um, Like I said to you last time, I would not have fancied selling Ireland as a destination for insurers three years ago because it was a basket case. But it has improved dramatically. It's different now, for sure. sure. We need more competition. We'll speak again, Peter, in the meantime. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Good morning to you. That is uh, Peter Boland, who is with the Alliance for Insurance Reform. Response Citizens Information Slot. We are dealing with carers, supports and family leave from work. And I'm joined by George Ford, who is Information Officer with South Munster Citizens Information Service based in Formoy. Good morning to you, George. Mm, wrong fader up. Good morning to you, George. Good morning. Good morning you're, you're very welcome uh, to the programme. Uh, now, firstly, are you still mainly operating by phone? Um, yes, so we're providing our service mainly by phone, but we also see people by appointment uh, where it's not possible to deal with the issue over the phone. However, we just ask that people ring us first as our drop-in is still closed. OK, now today, as I mentioned, we're focusing on carers and families. What information and supports are available for carers from your good selves at Citizens Information? Okay, so we provide information advice and advocacy across a broad range of topics that will be of interest to carers. We'd get a lot of queries in relation to carers' benefit, carers' allowance and the carer support grant. And we also advise on other secondary benefits such as fuel allowance, free travel and the household benefits package. And then I suppose other areas that we provide information on would include taking leave from work if you need to care for another person. Um, to be honest, it's a very broad area. Uh, we're a one-stop shop for information, advice and advocacy and if we don't have the answers, we'll always refer you to the place that does. Okay, and I know that if you even look on your website, there's a huge, huge amount of information uh, for carers because it can be quite uh, complex. Uh, I imagine that there are a lot of a lot of queries coming into you in relation to being a carer. Uh, yes, we deal with that issue a lot. Um, a carer is usually, I suppose, someone who looks after and supports a person who couldn't manage without their help. Uh, that could be due to age, physical or mental illness, or even a disability. It doesn't mean a professional care worker or a personal assistant who gets paid for their work. It's more if you're caring for someone, for example, a disabled child or adult or older person, you may qualify for a carer's payment from the Department of Social Protection. And the two main social welfare payments uh, for people providing full-time care would be carer's benefit, which would be based on your PRSI, and carer's allowance then, which would be means-tested. And you may also qualify for the annual care support grant which used to be known as the Respite Care Grant. Yeah, and of course we know that the carers, uh, the carers allowance being means tested is a big bugbear for Family Carers Ireland, but that's a discussion for a different day. Now, what does full-time care mean? Okay, so if, you're, if the person you're caring for is over the age of 16, they must be so incapacitated as to require full-time care and attention. And this means that the person needs continuous supervision and frequent assistance throughout the day in connection with their normal personal needs. For example, help to walk and get about, eat or drink, wash, bathe and dress. Um, The person may also need continuous supervision in order to avoid danger to themselves. Or if the person is aged under 16, they must be getting domiciliary care allowance 
if you're applying for a carer's allowance or just have medical certification if you're applying for a carer's benefit. And the general rule at home is that you'd be providing 30 plus hours per week of care. Okay. Are there other rules that apply to the carer's allowance? Yes. So you must be over 18 years of age. Um, You mustn't be employed, self-employed, doing voluntary work or training or any education outside the home for more than 18 and a half hours per week. And you must be habitually resident in the state. But it is important that you can do 18 and a half hours outside yes. of, of yes. the home. OK, that, that is important. And yes. then is there a means test with the carer's allowance? Yeah, there is. So I suppose just to summarise the means test in relation to cash income, if you're single, you can have uh, up to €332.50 Euros 50 of your gross weekly income coming in per week. And that's not taken into account in the means test. Or if you're married or in a civil partnership or cohabitating, the first €665 of your combined weekly income is not taken into account. And PRSI, union dues and superannuation may be taken off when working out that figure. And then with capital, which would include savings, investments, shares or any property you have, uh, but not including your own home, the first €20,000 would not be taken into account. That's carer's allowance. Then carer's benefit is different. Yeah, so with the carer's allowance, the difference would be... um, um, you must be age 16 or over and under 66. Uh, you must have been employed for at least eight weeks, whether consecutive or not, in the previous 26-week period before becoming a carer. And you must have been in employment for a minimum of 16 hours per week or 32 hours per fortnight. And you must be giving up work in order to become a full-time carer. And you must meet the PRSI conditions as well. Okay, and that, you know, generally speaking, that could be somebody who might be suddenly deciding to look after or maybe an elderly relative who suddenly became unwell and they're giving up their job uh, to actually do it. So what are the PRSI contribution conditions for the carer's benefit that you just mentioned? Okay, so you must have at least 156 contributions paid at any time between when you started paying contributions and the time you make your first claim for carer's benefit. So 156 will be three years of PRSI. Plus, on top of that, you must have either... 39 contributions paid in the relevant tax year or 39 contributions paid in the 12-month period before the start of your carer's benefit or 26 uh, contributions paid in the relevant tax year and 26 paid in the year before that. And just in tax year with social welfare, for example, a claim going in in 2022, the relevant tax year would always be uh, 2020, so two years before. And also what's important is it's only contributions at class A, B, C, D, H and E can be counted towards carer's benefit. Unfortunately, class S or self-employed contributions do not count. All right. OK. And a lot of that sounds complicated, but that's exactly where a call through to citizen information people will be able yeah. to, uh, to, to go through the number crunch with people. And then if people do qualify for either the carer's allowance or benefit, how much is it worth? Yeah, so the carer's allowance would be worth €224 per week and the carer's benefit is worth €225 per week. Plus, you can claim extra increases if you've got dependent children. Um, Plus, there's slightly higher rates of payments as well if you, the carer, are over 66 years of age. You mentioned the carer's support grant, which I think people still refer to, as you said, as the respite uh, grant. Just explain that and, and who's entitled to that. Yeah, so the carer support grant is paid to carers once a year by the department and it used to be called the Respite Care Grant um, but it's currently gone up to €1,850. It used to be 1700 
Um, you do not need to be getting carers allowance or carers benefit to apply and qualify for the carers support grant. You just need to be able to show that you are providing full-time care and attention to someone and that you're not working outside the home for more than 18 and a half hours per week or signing for job seekers credits. Yeah, so it's, it's a relatively straightforward payment. And it's the first week in June, I know, because we get calls in every year yeah. about it. What about leave from work then for carers? Yeah, so employees who have worked for their employer for at least 12 months can apply for carers leave and then they can take up to 104 weeks off per person that they're caring for. Um, the employer is not required to pay them while they're on their carers leave, but the Department of Social Protection, once they approve the carers benefit payment, the employer will grant the leave and um, employers are entitled at least six weeks written notice um, we'll say from the employee and obviously your, your job is secure you have that job to go, to, go, to go back to to go back and that is the, the important one now yeah. we, we you want to go through the various types of leave for parents and there is quite a few yeah so it gets a bit confusing because there's lots of types of leave uh, for parents we'll say so just to kind of summarise those and break those down um, and these will be statutory entitlements and some are paid and some are unpaid. So we just start with your maternity benefit that most people will be aware of. Um, obviously, that's available to female employees. It's uh, 26 weeks of paid leave and you can apply for an additional 16 weeks of unpaid leave. Um, then we have adoptive leave. Um, and so that can be for one parent of the adoptive couple or a parent um, who's adopting alone can apply for it. It's 24 weeks of paid leave um, to adoptive benefit and up to 16 weeks of unpaid leave. Um, and then we'll say with kind of leave that people are less familiar with, they're kind of newer ones, so we start with paternity leave. Um, that came in in 2016. That's for new parents of children under six months of age. Um, usually the father or the partner of the mother will apply for that and it's two weeks uh, of payment or sorry, two weeks of leave from work, and yes, you can apply for paternity benefit payment from uh, the department for that. And then, that's the one that the dads usually do to give the mums a helping hand while they're out on maternity leave. Exactly. Yeah. Usually the dads take it because they want to be around immediately yeah. after the child is born. Yeah. They, um, and then we have parental leave, which is around for quite a while. Um, that's for either mum or dad, we'll say, um, and it's for either a, pa- a parent like that, we'll say, have a child up to the age of 12, and it's 26 weeks off of work and it's unpaid from work and from social welfare, unfortunately. And then finally, um, parents' leave, which is quite new. So that is for parents of children under two years of age um, or it can be used by parents of adopted children in the first two years of the placement of the child. Um, and currently we'll say that's uh, five weeks, but it will be increasing later on in the year. And they can apply for parents' benefit for that as well. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of, of uh, different uh, ones there for sure. Now, wasn't there also some changes in the budget with parents' leave and parents' benefit? Yeah, so it was announced in Budget 2022 um, that there will be changes coming in from July this year, so July coming. So the first change is the five weeks of parents' leave will increase to seven weeks for each parent and the five weeks of parents' benefit will increase to seven weeks for each parent as well. So it just means that the parents' leave and the parents' benefit is going from five weeks up to seven, 
but not until July of this year. Okay, all right. And just very finally, because we every single day, I think without fail, we'll get a call or a text in about this, the extra payment of the €100 Euro for people on the fuel allowance. Uh, I know online under citizens, your own citizen information page, it's to be paid in May. Is there an actual date on when that extra €100 Euro is going to be paid mm. out? No, I was no. actually, on behalf of the client phone, the fuel allowance section, only last week on that to see if they had a date and they said even in the department they don't have a date yet. So we don't know on that one all yet. Right, all right, I can see somebody's trying to buy oil and is wondering, uh, is it, okay, so sometime in May and where are we at the 9th of May? So it could be, it could go right through to the end of May. Okay, and if people would like to find out more about what we've discussed here, George, or any items, this information can help them. Uh, what's the best number to contact you guys at? Yeah, so if they'd like to call us in North and East County Cork, they can get us on 0818077970 or else 0818078000. Or if they want to contact us in our West Cork offices, the number is 0818078390. Okay, and we're at my go-to page, citizensinformation.ie, your mind of information. George, a pleasure as always. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Good morning. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Got a lot of commentary on this, certainly on social media, and see a lot of the papers today picking up on Bono and The Edge, and they performed a bunker gig, I suppose as you call it. Uh, They were in a Ukraine bomb shelter. Now, they went there at the invitation of the Ukrainian president, um, Vladimir Zelensky. He asked them to come and perform, and they went to a metro station in Kiev, and this metro station has been used as a bomb shelter and actually Bono tweeted that President Zelensky had invited them to perform in Kiev as a show of solidarity with the Ukrainian people and so that's what they what, that's what they decided to do so Bono uh, accompanied by The Edge went along and there was videos of the performance shared right across the weekend on uh, social media and there was also a lovely one of Bono singing Stand By Me with they were guys they were Ukrainian soldiers but they're actually members of a Ukrainian band who obviously now are no longer members of a Ukrainian band they are instead uh, soldiers and they all sang uh, together and uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday uh, With or Without You they were some of the songs that Bono performed at the weekend and while that was going on I also thought it was really nice to see the US First Lady Joe Biden's wife Jill she had a surprise meeting with President Zelensky's wife uh, Olena that we don't hear or see much of and they met on the Slovakian border and Jill Biden told uh, Olena Zelensky, she said, I thought it was important to show the Ukrainian people that this war has to stop and this this war has been brutal. And there was also the Canadian president, Justin Trudeau, he also was on a surprise visit to Erpin and uh, he met up with the president. Uh, So there's a lot of people really showing their support for the Ukrainian people. And when will this war ever end? It's just some of the stories coming out and will be... Uh, uh, talking about it and reading about it I think for many many years uh, to come and it's only when this war finally ends and please God it will finally end that the true some of the true atrocities will really come uh, to fore Uh, we all think of the people of Ukraine 0818103103 Now I've had a statement in from NCT and this is to do with people who are fearful driving around they can't get an NCT test because they apply for it and all the slots are gone and then they're worried about are they covered because their NCT is out of date and the NCT come back to say the test appointment slots are released continuously across all centres they say many slots 
also become available through cancellations or rescheduling of appointments. Some customers may only find dates that are beyond the due date of their NCT and that's what we're hearing from some of our listeners and they suggest if a customer requires an appointment sooner than the one that's available online, they should contact NCTS directly. And they've given us a Dublin number. It is 01413599201413599. 01413599 and by doing that, you place yourself on a priority list. You can also go online and place yourself on a priority, priority test. And then the NCT service will do their best to accommodate all customers on the priority list. And they try to do it within 28 days of application. As a result, they say any customer who books an NCT for their car four weeks before their due date should be able to have their car tested on time. Now they also go on to explain that it's the responsibility of the owner to ensure their vehicle is maintained in a roadworthy condition at all times when in use in a public place. Enforcement of the relevant legislation is a matter for Angartha Siakona and it will be for the Gardaí to decide whether or not to exercise discretion in relation to individual circumstances regarding vehicles with a test appointment. So really, and I did mention that earlier, it is going to be at the Garda's discretion. Now we are hearing from people, including somebody who says, Hi Patricia, I was stopped by the Garda. I didn't have NCT. My NCT was out last January. I was able to show the Garda by text message on my phone that I had my NCT booked for the end of January. Very obliging Garda, on your way. Everything was fine. And John says, delighted to report that the car passed the NCT, but it is up to individual Gardaí and they using their discretion. So it's important for people who can't get an NCT and their NCT is up and they've been given an appointment to date for many, many months later. Get onto them on that Dublin number or put yourself onto a priority list online. And they say by doing that, they hopefully will get to everybody within 28 days. So that's hopefully will help some people out. Now, also coming in to us, we spoke about the... Oh, before we get to, to some of your texts coming in, uh, somebody wants to know... Now, I've, I, I don't know and I've asked John Paul on account of me being off last week to see was it something that they had covered last week but he said no somebody says hiya I'm just wondering where to find information about volunteering to eat the plant based dog food now I'm assuming the person wants to volunteer their dog to eat the plant based dog food I'm unaware of anything now I don't know if it was something that was mentioned here as I say on the radio when I wasn't here or not I do remember back in January there was a company I don't know whether they're an English company or not because I remember it was Pound Sterling they were talking about paying people it was a pet a pet food company called Omni they were looking to pay a dog owner and the dog but but the part the this the, the, the what was needed here was that the human and the canine pair both had to ditch all animal-based products for three months and they had to live by a plant-based diet and then they had to keep a record of their experience, both the owner and the pet and monitoring their health and their energy levels and their behaviour. And they were paying quite substantial sums at the time. I think it was about, was it two and a half thousand pounds a month was being paid and plus the dog was going to receive uh, each month a month supply of the vegan dog food. But that was as I say, an offer that I think was for people in uh, in England and that was at the start of the year and you had to register by the end of January. So I don't think that's what this listener is talking about. Now, whether there's a similar scheme running here in Ireland that I'm unaware of, let me know and I can pass it on to this listener. Looking to volunteer to eat a plant-based dog food, as I say, I'm assuming you're 
volunteering your dog to eat a plant-based dog food. If anybody can fill us in on that. Caroline is also looking for information. She says, can you find out, please, is there a cruise ship due to dock in Bantry next Saturday? Anybody in the Bantry area know, is there a cruise ship due to dock on Saturday. Caroline is interested if you can tell us, please. And Anne, when I mentioned the additional fuel allowance, which is €100 Euro that's going to be paid out sometime in May. We just can't get a definite date on when it is in May. Uh, Anne says, if you're collecting your money at the post office, will that money be automatically paid in the additional €100? Euro? Yes, you don't have to apply for it. If you've been getting fuel allowance all along, it's an addition. It's to help with the cost, with the rising cost of living. It was announced a number of weeks ago that there giving an additional, the government decided to give an additional well it's three weeks, it might be just under the 100 euro uh, mark but they've decided to give it to anybody who who has been getting the fuel allowance, it'll just be paid into whatever way, paid into your post office or paid into your bank account, you don't have to apply and I'm assuming that's what your question is about there, thank you for that by text to 0862 103 103 We were also talking about Northern Ireland elections today on the programme Seamus says, Patricia, on the election to the Greens and to Eamon Green south of the border. Surely this is a sign of things to come for them. Also, Seamus feels it could be a sign for what's to come for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. They'll be powerless without the Greens. They should tell Eamon Ryan to zip up all of his silly suggestions and and putting them out. They would put they would be put out of government very uh, quickly. Says uh, Seamus, who says doesn't feel that the Greens will do well at an, a future election. And Seamus also wants to congratulate all of those who took part in Darkness into Light over the weekend. And to all of the great men, he said, who turned out for the all men's rosary rallies, which were held on Sunday to pray for peace. And God knows we could do with peace, faith and life and hope for Ireland. They were held, said James, in various parts of Ireland. And they, 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 they're actually held on the first Saturday of every month. That's from Seamus. Thank you for that, Seamus. Also on Darkness Into Light, Mossy in West Cork says, Patricia, you mentioned Darkness Into Light at this top of the programme earlier and the Pieta House uh, fundraiser. Well, I did it in West Cork. Well done, Mossy. If anybody is going through counselling or is under a psychiatrist, continue them. Plus, they can also look at alternatives, things like acupuncture, homeopathy, uh, hypnotherapy in conjunction with mainstream therapies and it will help to complement them. Thanking you, Trish. They worked for me. Mightn't work for anyone, but I'm only too glad to pass it on to others as well. Thank you for that, uh, Mossy. I can see questions coming coming in for Annalise. Can you keep those coming in, please? Uh, Because um, we'll be joining us in this final hour of the uh, programme. And a number of people on the fuel allowance are saying, Patricia, the 16th of May is the date that has been given for the payment of the fuel allowance or the week of the 16th of May. That was the date that we had as well. Thank you, Margaret and Tallow was making the same point as well. That is the date we had as well. But when I got it checked with George from the Citizen Information, I just wanted to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. He said that only last week he'd been on to the department and the department couldn't even confirm that it is going to be the 16th. We will keep fingers crossed because if it's the week of the 16th, it means it'll be next week, it'll be paid. But they, the department couldn't even confirm that it is going to be next week. So there still seems to be a little bit of confusion, except that it will be paid during the month of May. 08. 
0818-103-103. Your questions for Annalise, please keep them coming in. Or you can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. Mallow Golf Club are hosting a play in pink. It's a ladies' open 18 hole four ball event and it is on tomorrow, Tuesday, the 10th of May, and it's an aid of breast cancer research. There will also be a raffle on the day and members' arts and crafts will be displayed in the club. To book, please call the Pro Shop on 022-21145. Kildallery Community Development will have their weekly lotto draw this Thursday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, in the local community office with a jackpot of €3,400. And a coffee and entertainment morning will be held next Friday at Eileen's Bar in Donnerail. Now, it's from 11am to 1pm and it's to raise funds for Art for the Heart and also a chance to share information about upcoming events, including the Donnerail Sauna Festival. And Awful Auntie, which is a play based on a book by David Williams, will be performed by Heartbreak Productions. And that's happening in Kinsale next Sunday, the 15th of May, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Some more of your texts uh, coming in. Somebody says, Patricia, can you recommend a spray for moths or are our mothballs still available? I two lovely jumpers destroyed last summer. Heard you talking earlier about moths. Well, I know Rent-A-Kill, that's who we invited onto the programme. If you go onto their website, they have tips, you know, you know, vacuuming regularly and how to store any clothing and textiles that you have and putting them into, into sealed bags. They don't actually advertise a particular spray or mothballs that you can use because obviously if you've got a really bad moth infestation, that's when you call in somebody like Rent-A-Kill so let's call it out to see is anybody else uh, is anybody buying mothballs have they successfully worked or has anybody used a spray because it's dreadful to have two lovely jumpers destroyed last summer but I think the tip is and how many of us do as you, you meant to, if you're storing putting away winter clothes for the summer or vice versa summer clothes for the winter you meant to seal everything but I don't know how many of us actually do uh, that some of your WhatsApps uh, coming in to me. Hi Patricia, I'm just asking for a friend. She's thinking of going to Tenerife shortly. Does she still have to do a COVID test at the airport? No, if her COVID cert is up to date, when I went to Ibiza a few weeks ago, I had to download an app. It's an, an app from the Spanish government. If you go on to our own Department of Foreign Affairs website, that's where I got access to the app. And then on that app, you have to upload your COVID certificate. And once your COVID certificate, if, you, if your friend has had a booster and a COVID certificate, then would be in date with the booster and then it all works it all works from there didn't have to show it after that I've since found out because they ask you to you know they ask you what flight you're on and all that it gets loaded onto your boarding pass somewhere along the, on the line talk about Big Brother watching you uh, but anyway no you don't need unless if she doesn't have an up to date COVID certificate or she, or she doesn't have a COVID certificate, or she doesn't have a booster, then yes, you can get a COVID, sorry, you can get a COVID test. But doing that again, you're going to have to upload it onto the app. So go on to the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, website and you'll see the very latest. And I say that to anybody travelling anywhere because it really is a fluid situation with travel. Every country seems to be changing all the time. So if you're planning on travelling somewhere, I will be checking in the days before you go just to see have they changed any of their rules, regulations and restrictions. 
and Mary wants to give out a word of warning to people who might be planning on doing some shopping in Mallow. Hi Patricia, welcome back. Hope you're feeling better. I'm feeling much better. Thank you uh, Mary. I just want to warn other shoppers to this dilemma. I went to do some shopping in Mallow during the week. Now I normally do my shopping in Mitchellstown but I went to Mallow instead. I drove into the Tesco car park to do some grocery shopping to find out you have to pay. When I left so I wasn't happy with paying uh, you know, I think in Tesco you get your money back at the checkout. Anyway, anyway uh, Mary didn't want to pay to do her grocery shopping so she decided she would go down to Little instead. She said, I got my few bits and when I came back out to the car, because free parking in Little, when I came back out, there was five cars clamped around me. Obviously they'd left the car park to go up town they went over the 60 minutes that you are allowed. One girl who was clamped had a relative who was feeble and walking with a stick. I felt sickened by this. 600 euro for five cars. I eventually then found this super value shop over the bridge that's the Danos super value where you don't have to pay and there's no time limit. Shoppers please be warned you've got to be and that's you know it's and dreadful to have your car clamped and like this free parking has even been extended in Mallow and there's so many other car parks as well but you do have to be mindful if you're going into any supermarket car park that they need to keep the flow of the cars going so that other people going along to do their shopping they can't I suppose just have people abandoning cars but that would be an expensive shopping trip to come back and discover that your car has been uh, clamped thank you for your text I can see some questions coming in for Annalise Thank you for that. And I know that uh, John Paul is... Oh, just on the person who was inquiring about getting paid for the plant-based and how do you volunteer for it? Somebody came back on and said it was on your programme last week. Somebody says it was €500 for a week and it's for human consumption. I can't see anybody paying €5,000 to eat a plant-based diet. And then I'm told it's on Nick Richards' show and I've cracked in with John Paul and Nick is going to get the information. Do I have it there, John Paul? Uh, Nick uh, gave us the information. He says a company is offering a lucky person. It isn't, not everybody can volunteer for it. Oh, it is €1,000 a day. I wish you go away. To munch on nothing but dog food. The winning candidate will tuck into meals for five days, pocketing £5,000. So it isn't an Irish. It isn't Irish. Um, dog food uh, omni. So the plant-based grub is good enough for humans. Successful ap- applicant will report on their favourite flavours, energy levels and sleep patterns. And then they're asked to monitor their toilet habits, their skin and their hair. That's actually, that's the very same. Now, I don't know if this is a different one that Nick has discovered. That's the very same one that I saw back in January. But it was a three-month process where both the owner and the dog had to go on a plant-based uh, diet and be very carefully monitored but that's a different one so no it's it's an English uh, company I think people thought that they could sign up here and they're only looking for one person okay and thank you thank you to uh, Nick for clarifying that okay questions are coming in for Annalise can you keep those coming please and I just want to make sure that I'm getting through all of the questions uh, to date I have them through all of the comments there okay and thank you to Kathleen McCroom who says bay leaves help to prevent moths. If you place bay leaves in wardrobes or in cupboards etc it's obviously the smell of the bay leaves because if you think about it the the old fashioned mothballs that I mentioned you know the granny used to have in the wardrobe and everything used to stink of mothballs. It was the smell was what 
got the, the, the smell that the moths didn't like and therefore they wouldn't live in the wardrobe. So I'm assuming that a bay leaf, there's obviously some scent from a bay leaf that moths do not like. So this is a suggestion. It's a natural one as well. And I prefer natural ones than any kind of a spray. So thank you to Kathleen in McCroom for that. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, commuters, I meant to mention this at the top of the programme as well. This is certainly a good news story. I heard Barry had it on the news as well. Commuters travelling from Mallow to Cork City are from today able to benefit from much cheaper fares as the route has finally, finally entered the Leap Card fare structure. What does that mean? An adult fare will cost €3.90 one way if you're using the Leap Card from Mallow to Cork Kent Street Station are back again. And it's just €1.95 for young adults in what the National Transport Authority called a significant change in the Cork commuter area and it'll benefit passengers significantly in the Cork region. Now, previously, up to say yesterday, a single ticket on the route could have cost anything between 9 and €10. Euro. So that uh, means almost a 50% reduction on the fare. So certainly really is a good news story. The National Transport Authority document from last month said it had recognised the evolving picture in relation to commuting in Cork City and this had prompted the inclusion of Mallow in the fare structure. And in fairness, the... The move came on foot of a campaign that's been running for many, many years aimed at introducing the reduced fare on what is what, 20, 25 minute uh, uh, train journey. And it's been headed up and I've spoken on many occasions to Labour Dáil Deputy for Cork East, uh, Sean Sherlock. He has been fighting this campaign and he was also making the example if you were in Dublin and you were on a similar short hop you know, train, you could you, you could use your leap card and you'd get this reduced price and he could never understand why was Cork not treated the same as Dublin. So he's been fighting tooth and nail. And actually I see in the examiner, Sean Murray's a piece in the examiner today on it, that he's making the point that it was back in December of twenty sixteen that Sean Sherlock first requested Mallow's inclusion into the leap zone fair structure. And he's ha- he's fought from twenty sixteen to 2022 before it has eventually gone in. He's hailed the introduction of the Leap Fairs as a great day today and it really is and it's going to save people a lot of money. So well done uh, to uh, Sean. 0818 John Paul taking your calls and Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic uh, joining me this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And can I start by, because I'm a big fan of Dr. Delish Clare, she's going to be in your store, is that tomorrow? Well, it's not actually Dr. Clare itself. It's Tara uh, is one of the main herbalists that okay. works for Dr. Clare. So she's going to be in the shop tomorrow from 12 o'clock till 2 and she's going to be answering questions from customers regarding herbs and there'll be a lovely hamper as well that customers can um, have an opportunity to win. So if you want to speak to a herbalist um, 
and she's Dr. Clare's right hand woman so Brilliant. she's absolutely superb and they, to be here tomorrow. I mean they do fantastic products uh, so well worth a visit uh, particularly for somebody say new to herbs and trying to get an understanding of it so between 12 and 2 tomorrow, two tomorrow in at, the at the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. Okay let's get straight into questions uh, please. Hi Annalise my daughter is from Margaret and Douglas my daughter is doing her leaving cert in June and this is for all leaving cert students. Could you suggest anything to give her a bit of a boost before the exams please? So I think the Source of Life Gold, Patricia, is brilliant because it's got everything in there for a little bit of energy. The ginseng is brilliant for energy and focused on concentration. There's loads of immune boosting stuff in there so that they don't fall sick. So I definitely think something like that would be great to kind of get them through the day. And if then if people are looking for something to kind of focus and calm for study, L-theanine is wonderful. It's, um, it's actually just an amino acid, which is a type of protein, but it works to kind of bring down adrenaline and it helps really, really well with calm and focus. In fact, we often recommend it for kids with ADHD or ADD in school and it really does work to help them you know, better prepared and better able to sit in school and listen for long periods of time. So that's great for kids who are having to come home and slot and study L-theanine for long periods and then the source of life gold for just general immune and energy. And our weekly question, this time it's from Kathleen in McCroom, fatigue after COVID advice, please. So it's, it's, you know what, Patricia, different things are working for different people, but the one we're finding generally works the best is either the source of life gold are the Revive Active. Now, the Revive Active has got a lot of very specific um, nutrients in there for the energy pathways in the cell. And we find for some people that works very well if combined with the N-acetylcysteine, and especially if there's any chest issues left over. So if you feel you haven't fully got your puff back in your chest, combine the N-acetylcysteine either with the Source of Life Gold or the um, the Revive Active. And then for some people, what we're recommending is that they take vitamin B1, which is thiamine, and they take that um, throughout the day at different, sorry, no, it's not thiamine, it's niacin, vitamin B2 niacin. We're recommending that people take that every two to three hours throughout the day. Um, and that for some people is working to keep their energy up for a very severe post-COVID. Yeah, and most people are saying, it's, I mean, I, I certainly would say a good month. It took me a good month before I could actually say that extreme tiredness was gone. And I was, I found the source of life uh, brilliant, but it was a full month before I could say I'm now no longer as tired as I was. Absolutely, Patricia, I think that. And the the strange thing about COVID as well is that, like I had COVID, I actually had worse head colds in my life. I wasn't sick with it at all, but I definitely had the fatigue. And I still find that I'm actually sleeping eight, nine hours, whereas before seven hours would have done me. And it is a month later. Now, I'm good during the day and the source of life got me through but instead of taking it first thing in the morning, I took it more in the afternoon when my energies were starting That's to flag. So it boosted me when I needed it. OK, two people have kind of a similar question, both uh, male listeners. John says, Patricia, uh, would Annalise have a, cu- a cure for painful knees? And James Incloin was on looking for suggestions for pain relief for knee pain. Now, he's gone for an MRI. Nothing showed up. They suggested it just might be an old injury. Probably is, or maybe just a little bit of wear and tear. Um, now, the different kind of injuries, if, like if you've injured your knee, you're more likely to get wear and tear, which is a bit of arthritis. It could be only minor, so it mightn't be showing up massively on an MRI. Things that are more difficult to see on an MRI are tendon and ligament injuries and pulls, and they would cause pain as well. Now, unfortunately, they, are, they just take time and rest 
to heal if you've got a tear or a pull in those. But if it's tendonitis or tendons, you're looking at a natural anti-inflammatory. We generally recommend a combination of curcumin and boswellia. And there's a great uh, supplement called, uh, if you can get your hands on it, it's by a company called Nutri-Advanced and it's called Curcudine, C-U-R-C-U-D-Y-N Forte. And that's a combination of both of them and we get great feedback on it. So curcumin and boswellia for tendons. And then there is a homeopathic remedy that hits it for some people but not for others and that's called Rutagrav, G-R-U-T-A-G-R-A-V. And that can that for me worked wonders when I had the onset of plantar fasciitis. It just kicked it in one week. But I do see, Patricia, we recommend it quite a lot for tendons. And I'd say it's 50-50 okay. in terms of it working. So arthritis then, the curcumin and the boswellia can work well for arthritis. Um, and pain relief, it's more long-term. Or you could try the cannabis oil. Cannabis is nearly the only natural remedy that works immediately for pain relief. And you probably need to take a fairly strong dose we love the um, the brand Cannabis Gold, but there's another brand, Full Circle, as well. That's that's very good if you can get your hands on that. And you're probably looking at needing to take about 15 to 30 milligrams of CBD per day for pain relief. Okay, somebody wants to know, is Annalise having problems getting Cardio K? Her local health shop is having problems getting it. Are you having problems getting yeah, it? Yes, so Cardio K was something called red rice yeast extract. And the extract is called monocolon K. And the Cardio K was 10 milligrams of that. And it was absolutely amazing, Patricia, for bringing cholesterol down. It worked in the same way as the actual statin drug that's prescribed. But people tended to have little to no side effects, unlike the statin. Unfortunately, in their wisdom, the Irish Medicines Board have decided that it cannot be sold at that strength any longer. So it has to be taken off the market to be reformulated. And from the 1st of June onwards, you will only be able to buy is in a strength of three milligrams and no more per capsule. So all of the products with red rice yeast have to be reformulated and very hard to get at the moment. But they will be back, but it unfortunately won't be as strong, so you'll probably need to take a bit more. Oh, my goodness. Isn't yeah. it always the way when something works? Uh, it's yeah, so I, frustrating. Yeah, I sometimes understand the logic behind it, Patricia, but I have to say in this case, I really don't. Okay, Nick in Kinsale has developed eczema on his legs. Never suffered from it before. It appeared about three weeks after COVID. It's just like one spot of eczema, extreme dry skin. Is there any cream you could suggest to itch the scratching temptation and ultimately to get rid of it? Absolutely. Now, so the, probably the best thing to do is to go into your chemist and get, um, if it's only one small tiny spot, and get a hydrocortisone cream, and that'll take the itch out and it might clear it up. Now, that's fine if it's a little spot, Patricia, but that cream does damage and thin the skin over long term. And if you're using it on a bigger area, you can also get what's called a rebound effect from the steroid in it, which means that once you stop using it, it gets worse than it was before. So for bigger areas, we're recommending either the Dr. Dealish Clare Anti-Itch Cream or the Salcura Zeoderm. And we've had a lot of post-COVID rashes. So this gentleman's very lucky that it's just confined to one spot because we've had people with massive rash and redness and itch all up their legs and back after COVID. It's quite, some people do get rashes after virus, Patricia, but it's very unusual and it seems to be a lot more common after COVID. So in that case, the, um, the same company, Salcura, as do the Zeoderm cream, they do a beautiful spray called Derma Spray, and it's really, really soothing and cooling. So that's great if it's more uh, widespread. 
So the Salcura Zeoderm or the Dermaspray or the Dr. Dealish Clare Anti-Itch Cream. Gail is in Crosshaven in her 30s, has asthma since childhood, but wouldn't class it as a very serious condition. But it has left her with a bit of a weak chest. She's now discovering that she keeps getting chest infections. Is there anything that you could suggest to help prevent the repetitive chest infection, something she could be taking long term? So I think the, the, the short term answer to that is to take something that keeps the chest clear of mucus. Because if, the, if there's mucus pooling in the chest, um, then it can sit there and get infected by bacteria. So w- the one that we find the best for that is the Dr. Claire um, Congestion Blend. She also does one called Mucotone, which is a similar one but has got immune-boosting herbs in there as well. So the Mucotone is better if you feel something coming on, but the Congestion Blend is best to keep the chest clear. Now, asthma, I believe, is is um, uh, an allergic type of condition. People get worse asthma when they are allergic to dust or pets. And I do believe it can be linked with food as well, Patricia. So for this person, I would have a look at the diet. Generally, dairy is the one main culprit that causes mucus buildup. And most people would even notice if they ate a lot of cheese, they'd get a bit kind of caught up in their throat. So for some people who might have an intolerance to the proteins in milk and cheese and cream and yogurts, try cutting it out for a couple of weeks and see does that improve the mucus amount of mucus you're either swallowing as a post-nasal drip or in the chest because that would help for asthma as well. Liz is in Kinsale with a rather unusual one. What would Annalise recommend for a person to prevent getting up most mornings to hives on the side of my face for no reason? Mostly along my jaw bone. They're not allergy hives. They go away as the day goes on, but they can be very itchy and red when they are there. And they develop overnight and she discovers them in the morning. Very strange, Patricia. I don't know. Um... Like generally, hives is a kind of an allergic reaction to something, um, and the fact that it's only developing it's developing at the same time every night is unusual as well. So, I'd suggest looking at the pillow. Like a lot of people would be allergic to feather pillows, so getting a hypoallergenic pillow can help. I have discovered silk pillowcases recently. Um, I just have one for my own self, and it's fab, Patricia. I don't get the frizzy hair, and I don't get the same awful creases on my face from <laughs> sleeping on my stomach. Um, So a silk pillow can be very, very soothing for the face. And the other thing I would look at is, are you putting something on your face at night that possibly is causing a reaction? So are you using a cream or something that is different from your usual routine? Maybe just keep it very simple and just wash your face and leave it cream free for a few nights to see does it clear up. Okay, but hi, Annalise. Are there two? There are two types of Revive Active. What's the difference between the two? I take the Zest Active, which is the yellow one. Are there two different types of Revive Active? There, the Revive Company do a number of different ones: ah. the Joint Active for joints, and there's ones for teenagers and kids. And the Zest Active is more kind of designed really for younger sort of age 20s to 30s. Um, now, I think the Revive Best for post-COVID because it is formulated for more energy. Um, it's a more energy supplement, so it's normally great for older people or people who do a huge amount of exercise or in the case of post-viral fatigue, that's what you want. The Zest Active is, has got some immune-boosting stuff and probiotics in there, so it's a nicer one to take if you just want to boost when you're relatively well and the green one better for post-viral fatigue. Okay, a listener is describing what she thinks is a very bad sinus infection. Any tips, bad coughing at night, sense of smell and taste gone and I'm all bunged up. 
Okay, so for sinus and sinus infections, we recommend the Dr. Dealer's Clare Mucotone is fantastic. Um, so there's echinacea in there that will boost the immune system and help the immune system get rid of it if it is an infection. And then there's herbs in there to kind of reduce inflammation in the sinuses and to get rid of mucus. And the other thing we recommend is that you do a steam inhalation with oregano oil. So oregano is a brilliant antibacterial and antifungal. And if you put it in a bowl of boiling water and do the towel over the head, when you inhale those chemicals get right up into those sinus cavities because it's kind of hard to get up in there. Um, and they will kill off anything that's up there. But it might be if it's really, really bad that you do need an antibiotic. So if it hasn't cleared with natural treatment after four or five days, go for the antibiotic. And I've just thought of something, Patricia, for that person with asthma to strengthen their chest. N-acetylcysteine, we just had a customer actually in this morning who takes it, and she found that she has had to take an antihistamine since she's been on it. So N-acetylcysteine is lovely for anything chesty, and it also does have an, a kind of a... An, uh, an antihistamine effect as well. It's another one we've been recommending a lot after COVID for people who still have that very bad chesty cough, and we've been getting great results with that. So sinus infection, you could try N-acetylcysteine if it's a recurrent thing as a maintenance to keep your chest and sinus okay, clear. Okay, and a, fi- a final one, if I can bring you back to something you recommended two weeks ago for a listener who is taking aspirin and is also taking omega-3 fish oils. Uh, she was looking for a cream for dry skin. The sister doesn't have the internet, so wasn't able to check online. You mentioned a skin for very dry skin. So I suppose what we normally recommend for the very dry skin is the Zeoderm, which has got some lovely omega-3 and omega-7 oils in there. I also probably recommend taking an omega-7 supplement. So the um, omega-7 comes from sea buckthorn. It's very hard to get in the diet, really. Um, And that is lovely for everything dry, dry mouth, dry eyes, dry nasal passages, dry skin. So taking it to put the fat in from the inside is much better. And then the Zeoderm is is a lovely thick cream for moisturizing. And also there is a range, Walida, we off, we, it's mostly geared towards babies, Patricia. Mm. Um, but they do a range of the calendula cream, which is always lovely for dry skin. And they do a skin food one as well, which is fantastic for dry skin. So take, from the inside, take your omega-7 sea buckthorn oil. And then from the outside, put something on there that has got either calendula in it or has the omega-7 oils in it, like the zeoderm. OK, good advice as always. And uh, Annalise will pull up everything she mentioned as heard on the radio on her website, healthhubstore.com. And Tamar, herbalist from Dr. Deedish Clare, between 12 and 2 in the store in Balancholic. Thanks for that, Annalise. Thank you, we'll, Patricia. We'll talk oh, next Monday. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 10. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack and Insurances can sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.